Let us pray. Holy Father, thanks for gathering us here this morning. And as you speak to us in your word, remind us of the calling that you have placed on each and every one of us and what it means to fulfill that calling and how important that is for the sake of the kingdom of God. So inspire us, equip us, encourage us, and release us so that we might do that work in the power of your Holy Spirit. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So as we engage Ephesians this weekend, uh, this is the weekend where we start the second half of Ephesians. And we talked about how in that first half, it was all about remembering who you are. It's about your identity. It was much more doctrine and and much heavier theology with with longer sentences and uh, longer words. uh, But it just talked about that new life that we have in Jesus Christ and the wealth, meaning the riches of God's mercy and grace that are yours in Jesus Christ. And so, so that was the first half of Ephesians. And last weekend, uh, Brad uh, ended us with that passage from Ephesians three twenty to 21, which if you uh, ever walk down the history hall, you see that every time. It's right at the end of the history wall. That God can do immeasurably more, God does immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine According to the power at work within us, talking about the power of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit that's worked within us to his glory and not to ours. And so now we take that, that turn in the book, and now we start looking at, now that we're talking about who you are, now why are you here? Remember why you're here. What does this new living look like? And chapters four and five really wrap themselves around five walk commands. We're going to see the first of that today. The command to walk worthy to walk holy, to walk in love, to walk as children of the light, and to walk in wisdom. And so we're going to look at that first one today, which is that idea of walking worthy according to the calling to which God has called you. So as we look at that, uh, I want you to think about this. How did you get to be doing what you are doing right now? Or to be studying what you are studying right now. I saw on uh, Facebook there were a ton of college graduations this weekend and a ton of our, our college graduates who are now looking to start doing what they've been studying for over the past four or five years. And, and, and so how did you decide to do what you're doing right now? When I was in college, I was studying to be a high school math teacher. What I was really studying to do is I wanted to coach wrestling and teach math on the side. But, uh, but I was studying to be a high school math teacher. And part of that was uh, I had heard God's calling to be a pastor, but I took Spanish in high school and hated it. And then I realized you have to take Greek and Hebrew. And uh, Hebrew is read from back to front, from right to left with letters that don't even look like letters. And I took one look at it and I said, yeah, that's not for me. I'd rather do cosine and tangents and geometry. And that sounded a lot more fun than Hebrew. Some of you are like, that does not sound fun at all either. But, uh, but that's, so I decided to do that. And then there were two pastors, uh, Pastor Galen Walther and Pastor uh, Dan Pavla. Uh, Pastor Pavla actually preached here a couple months ago, and uh, he'll be preaching here in a couple weekends from now. And uh, just over the course of a couple of weeks, I spent time with them and talked with them and, and uh, just talked about that calling. And at the end of that time with them, uh, I changed my major after my junior year of high school, which is always the perfect time to change your major, is after your junior, or junior of college, is after your junior of college, changed my major and uh, became pre-7. And so that changed everything. I stopped taking geometry classes and started taking Greek classes. I declined my student teaching, and then later I would go out on a vicarage. And, and you, right, like, how you prepare changes based on what you're going to do. 
And so based on what you're doing, how has God prepared you to do what you are being paid to do right now? That is the answer, and that is beginning to answer that question of, of where do I belong, which is the second half of the book of Ephesians, is, is now that you know who you are, where do you belong according to the callings that God has placed on you in your life? This is what Paul is going to address in Ephesians chapter 4. So I'd love for you to open up your Bibles this morning to Ephesians chapter 4 as we follow along, page 977. I will put it on the screen, but if, bring a Bible from home if you like to take notes in your Bible or or just like to have something to follow along in your hands, you can find it on page 977. Paul begins this section as he turns towards uh, where do I belong, remember why you're here, by saying this. I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. He says, walk in a manner worthy of your calling. But what does that mean? What does it mean to walk in a manner that is worthy of your calling? When I was thinking about that this week, the image that came to my mind was the image of a basketball jersey. And the reason that came to mind is that that on a basketball jersey, there are two names that are always put on that jersey, or especially if you're in college and in the pros, right? There's two names, the name on the front and the name on the back. And I always heard coaches would say, uh, you always play for the name on the front and not for the name on the back. And, And then, yeah, but actually I have a little bit of a different take, and I think it's this, is that you play for the team on the front, but you represent the family on the back. Because it's not a first name on the back, it's a last name, isn't it? So you play for the team on the front, you represent the family on the back. And I think that's exactly what it means to walk worthy of the calling into which God has called you. Is that that you play for the team on the front, you play for God's team. You're, You're a part of God's team. You wear His name on the front, but then you represent the family of God you belong to, Grace, on the back. And so to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called into means that as as you moms, as you parent the children that God has so richly blessed you with, that as you care for them and discipline them and raise them and teach them and help them to grow and mature, is you do it in such a way that you are playing for God's team and representing God's family. If you are, are a boss, you have employees, as you treat your employees, as you run your company, as you lead your company, the way that you lead your company and, and, and treat those that who uh, work underneath you is you do it in such a way that you play for God's team and you represent God's people in the way that you treat them. If you're a student, the way that you study, the way that you grow, the way that you learn. If you're a husband or a wife, if you're a father or a mother, in in every role you have, you fulfill those roles by playing in such a way that you walk in a worthy manner to wear God's name on the front and represent God's people on the back. That's what it means to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Because when he says that, he is talking about this idea that we're unified, we're united, that we represent each other when we do that. I mean, that's the very next section. Because he goes on and says, this is a way in which you walk in a manner worthy. You walk with gentleness, you walk with humility, you bear with one another in love, you maintain the, the, the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. In fact, notice how many times he uses that word unity or that word one. That we are one body and we have one spirit and there is one hope and one Lord and one faith and one baptism and one God and one Father. 
That we are united in purpose. That if you, if you bear the name of Jesus on the front and you represent God's people, grace on the back, that we do this as one people united for a single purpose that God has created us. And that goes back to the Ephesians 2 passage. That you were created on purpose for a purpose. That God, God created you as his workmanship in Christ Jesus to do the work which God prepared in advance that you should walk in it but walk in it together. For me, this, this is the image of rowing. You ever watch rowing in the Olympics? I actually like watching this sport and, and it's because it's interesting to watch how those boats after every stroke, like some of them, like they're forward and then, then the other ones catch up and they catch up like they keep going back and forth and back and forth. And, and, but when you watch it, you also watch how unified they are in rowing that boat. How perfectly every stroke has to go together. And they have one person in the front who's calling it out, but they all have to work together to fulfill the purpose and reach the goal, right? I mean, imagine if one of the people who's rowing the boat decides, you know what, I'm tired, I'm going to take a break. Or they say, you know what, you guys are going too slow. We should go faster, and they start just rowing faster. They're like, man, you guys are rowing too fast. I'm going to slow down and go at my own pace. Or they're like, you know what, I'm bored going in this straight line. Let's, let's turn this boat. And they put their paddle down and turn the boat. Right? Like, that's not going to work for that one boat to reach its one destination. And that's the calling that we have as the people of God. In your families to work together. And the struggle is that everybody has their own opinion, don't they? Right? Like, we all have our own opinions of how things should go. If you have a family of four, you have four opinions of how things should go. In my family, we have a family of eight. There are eight different opinions of what should take place, right? If you work in a business, you know that there are a lot of different opinions. In a church where we worship a little over 770-some people on a weekend, there are usually 770 opinions every weekend. Right? I didn't like the music. It was too soft. Uh, it was too loud. I, I wish we had sung this song. I wish we would do these, uh, these things. I, I think the sermons are too long, or I think that this part of the service is too short. Are you like, there's all sorts of opinions. But the question is, in the midst of what Paul is saying, is what is more important, your opinion or our unity? It's our unity, isn't it? It's our oneness. He talks about how we are one people who are moving in one direction, walking in a manner that is worthy of the calling into which God has called us as the one people of God, representing his team on the front and our family on the back. That's what it means to walk worthy. That we do so for the sake of the body, that we would reach this destination together, unified. Now, He's going to talk in this next section, therefore, as we are, are for this purpose, that we have been given different gifts to do this, right? So in verse 7, he says, but grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift, meaning we're all gifted differently, though. In this oneness, we are united, but we are not uniform. And there's a difference between unity and uniformity. God doesn't call us to uniformity. We're all going to have different gifts and different passions and different experiences. And and God has equipped us differently. And God is calling us into different things and to do things differently. But to do them in the same direction with unity. God has blessed us with unity, not uniformity. And because there's a difference of gifts, that doesn't mean that there's a difference of the value of those gifts. All gifts are equally important for the kingdom of God. 
All gifts are valued equally in the sight of God. Whether you are working behind the scenes or out front or, or you think you're doing something small or something great, they are all important tasks for the kingdom of God because God has equipped each of us differently for the sake of fulfilling the purpose for which God has created us. And why did he gift us differently? Well, well, this is why. It's driving towards verse 11 where he says this. And so God, he gave apostles and prophets and evangelists and shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry for the building up of the body of Christ. So God gave apostles. Those were those that were, were specially designated men uh, who were gifted in such a way to build up and plant churches. And he gave prophets, and those prophets were gifted to speak words of divine revelation, special words that were, were given for the people. Now, those two offices uh, are offices that were for the first century church. Those offices are not in existence anymore. They were, they, we can see some of the giftings that were there, but those offices are not in existence anymore. And so, so God equipped apostles and prophets. I mean, you can see that in Hebrews 1. In the past, God spoke through the prophets, but today he has spoken through his son, Jesus Christ. Evangelists were those that were set apart to go and win converts for the faith. And so you could say that we can see some of the evangelists still today and missionaries and church planters and those that would really have a passion for going out and sharing the gospel with others. Then you have pastors, and that's a word in the scripture that's talking about those that, that care for, those that have, 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 have a loving oversight for the flock, for the people of God. And teachers, and that teaching aspect in the scriptures, uh, since there weren't really like Lutheran schools or Christian schools and day schools back then, would have been those that were formally teaching the Christian faith. So whether it was a confirmation teacher or someone who was teaching religion, but a formal teacher of the religious faith. But whatever the case was, why did he give these positions? He says, to equip the saints for the works of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. You probably know by now, because I like to use this as an illustration, that my son has started wrestling right? And I've talked about that a few times. And so here's, here's my picture of my son wrestling. And uh, this is my favorite picture of him wrestling. And not just because he's winning at this point, but uh, it's, it's my favorite picture because this reminds me of how seasons change and roles change and, and what we do changes. Because 30 years ago, 30 years ago, that was me on the mat and that was my dad in the background. And 30 years later, that's my son on the mat and that's me in the background. And the roles have changed. I'm no longer the doer of wrestling. I'm now called to be the one who equips my son to be the doer of wrestling. I mean, isn't that what coaches do? Coaches take a group of individuals and they teach them and they train them and they equip them and they encourage them and then they release them and empower them to go out and to do the work of playing the game. Do you see the correlation? That's what God has called for in his church. I mean, you could easily switch this up to be very rele relevant to grace, right? You could say uh, God gave deaconesses and DCEs and directors of worship and principals and teachers and pastors to equip God's people at grace for the work of ministry for the building up of the body of Christ. Because who are the workers of ministry? It's not the paid staff. It's all of us. When you read that passage, we are all workers of ministry. 
And this is what we talked about when we looked at Exodus 18 a couple months ago. And Jethro said to Moses, Moses, you can't do this all. You need to equip others to do it because the work of ministry is done by the whole people of God. Ministry is not a professionalism. Ministry is a calling for all of God's people so that when we gather here for worship, that this place would be like that mission outpost, right? Like the one that you see if you walk down the hallway and you see at the very end of the hall when grace was first set up, so as it was first set up, so it is today. That we are a mission outpost where we as God's people gather together to be equipped, encouraged, empowered, and released so that we can do the work of ministry that God has given all of us to do wherever he has sent us to whatever school or workplace or home that he has placed us in. So my question for you today is, is are you a worker or are you a watcher? Because sometimes we are really good at being watchers of ministry instead of workers of ministry. But when you read this text, Paul says, you're not a watcher, you are a worker of ministry for the sake of the kingdom of God. In a church, oftentimes uh, the pattern is, is that, that there's this 80-20 rule, or sometimes it's the 90-10 rule, which is 10% of the people do 90% of the work, or 20% of the people do 80% of the work. But I always wonder, what would it be like if 80% of the people did the work? I mean, could you imagine what would be accomplished at a church like Grace when 80, 90, 100% of us says, yes, that is us, and we are going to be the workers of ministry, and we are going to step up, and I want to be involved because I want to be a part of what God is doing in this place. You see, the heroes of ministry, they're you. And if you have been baptized, then you have been equipped for ministry. You're hired. We've hired you right now. You are hired for ministry because you have been empowered in the work of the Holy Spirit. You have been drafted onto God's team and you represent God's people at Grace and you're hired for ministry. And so the question now isn't, will you do ministry, but where are you going to do the ministry? And to what has God called you to do the ministry so that, as we see at the end of this, so that through this, he makes the body grow so it builds itself in love. So that you can reach out in love and care for other people. Because that's God's calling for all of us at Grace. Is that wherever and however God has equipped you for ministry. Because God has uniquely equipped you to serve together with us. As one team rowing together for the sake of the kingdom of God. That's who we are. That is why God has planted Grace right here. Now, to, to help you with that, to say, well, I don't, I don't know how I, God's equipped me, and I don't know what I'm doing, I want to encourage you with this. If you have the worship bulletin in your hand, uh, just take it and turn it to the back side. On the back side is just one question I want you to pray about and think about this next week, and that's the question is, is how has God uniquely equipped you for the sake of the kingdom of God to serve here at Grace and in our community? How has God equipped you to do it? Not has he, he has. You've been baptized, you've been called, you represent God and grace. So how are you going to step into that in the power of the Holy Spirit? And I think there's three ways to start to think about this. And here's the three ways. Is to think about what are your passions, your gifts, and your experiences? What are your passions? Like, what do you love? What has God placed on your heart? Like, what breaks your heart for the kingdom of God? What's your passion? Second one, what are your experiences? What have you gone through? 
What opportunities has God provided for you in the past and is providing for you right now? What is the education that you have gone through? What is training that you have gone through? What is some special things that you have have experienced that God can leverage for the kingdom of God? And finally, what are your gifts? What are your spiritual gifts? What are your abilities that God has equipped you with? What What are you good at? What are you good at doing? If you were here on Monday night for Brad Ellis' Bible study, um, I think that everybody got a spiritual gifts inventory. And that's a wonderful way to do that, is take a spiritual gifts inventory and think about the spiritual gifts. But here's the other part, is that that if you're good at basketball and you're coaching basketball, coach basketball to the glory of God and do it by pointing people to Jesus Christ. Right? Don't even just coach it in a Christian school. Coach it out in a public school. Coach uh, a club and point people to the love of Jesus Christ. God has uniquely equipped each and every one of us so that we as the family of God here at Grace, uniquely equipped to serve together, can serve to the glory of God and for the building up of his kingdom as we as a family reach out in love, reach out in love to those who are lost, reach out in love to those who are hurting, reach out in love to our children, reach out and serve together. I mean, think about this. If, if we were all watchers here at Grace, uh, just imagine that. If, if every single one of us decided this morning, I want to be a watcher, not a worker. How would that have worked this morning, right? If there were no elders and no ushers and there was no praise team and there was nobody working at the AV booth and there were no uh, leaders upstairs for Sunday morning children's ministry and and, uh, no elder assistants and communion assistants, and if you've noticed, we've added a lot of new faces to those that are serving communion. What an awesome blessing that is, right? Like imagine nobody served. The only people who showed up on Sunday morning were those that were the paid professionals, myself and Bill and Christiana and Christine and a few others. Like, Like we were the only ones that showed up. How would that work for the church? It wouldn't work, would it? And that's why you and I, we're not called to be watchers of ministry. We're called to be workers of ministry, to teach, to host, to lead, to be small group leaders, to serve in children's ministry or youth ministry, to be on the elders or the board of directors, to serve in the PTL or at our day school for sewing and and, in the prayer ministry, whatever else that is, however God has equipped you in this season of life, but to serve together for the sake of the kingdom of God. And here's what I believe happens when we do this. If you would just, and I just want to close with this, if you would open up your Bibles to Acts chapter 19. Open to Acts 19. You can find Acts chapter 19 on page 928. I believe this is a picture of what happens when we stop being watchers and start becoming workers and doers who are equipped for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. Acts chapter 19, page 928, we're going to start in verse 8. Paul has showed up at Ephesus, and Paul has just started his ministry in Ephesus. In verse 8, it says this, And he, Paul, entered the synagogue, and for three months he spoke boldly, reasoning and persuading them about the kingdom of God. But when some became stubborn and continued in speaking evil of the way, before the congregation, he withdrew from them and took the disciples with them, reasoning daily in the halls of Tyrannus. So notice what he's doing. He is preaching, he is teaching, he is equipping the disciples for the work of ministry. And then notice the next line, he says, This continued for two years so that all of the residents of Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks. Catch that? Who heard the word of the Lord? Everybody in Asia. And what does everybody mean? Everybody. And how did that happen? Do you think Paul like sent an email out? He put it on CNN? He, like there's none of that, right? 
So how did everybody hear it? I mean, Paul couldn't go to every home and every synagogue and every city in Asia. So how did that happen? It was because the workers of ministry were the saints, the disciples who gathered together and equipped, and they went out and they were the workers of that ministry wherever they were sent. That's what God has called us to. When I was probably 10 years old, uh, after a wrestling practice, I had a friend named Damian Billow. Damian Billow's dad owned a Porsche. And I loved that Porsche. And I would see that Porsche pull up all the time. And I will never own a Porsche, but I love that Porsche. It was a silver Porsche. I will never forget it. And and I remember after practice one time, he said, hey, do you want to take a ride in the Porsche? Yeah. Right? Duh. Who's not going to ride in that Porsche? So so I get in the back of the Porsche, and we're driving down some of the back roads. And uh, as we're driving down some of the back roads, and and Damien, Damien starts going, Dad, faster. And he's listening to his son, because that's always the best uh, way to do things, is, is listen to your 10-year-old son. So, uh, so faster, faster. So he starts doing 60 and 70 and 80 and 90, and we hit 100 miles an hour on the back roads. And I can, I can tell you, I will never forget that ride. That was awesome. I loved it. That, is the, that was the ride of my life. I want to invite you on the ride of your life. Join with us in ministry here at Grace. Don't become a watcher, but a worker. Join with us on this ride of what God is doing through his people here at Grace so that all of the greater Milwaukee and all of Wisconsin can hear what God is doing in and through his people for the sake of the building of the kingdom of God because this is our calling and this is the ride of your life and I don't want you to miss out on it because that is what God has called us to, uniquely equipped for the work of ministry here at Grace. Join us on the ride of your life. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have uniquely equipped us so that we might enjoy the ride of our life, serving you, empowered by your Holy Spirit, to go out, not as watchers, but workers of ministry, equipped so that all of the greater Milwaukee area and all of our households and all of our neighborhoods and all of our communities and all of Wisconsin may hear the name of Jesus Christ. Help us to walk in a manner that is worthy of this calling, representing Christ on the front and grace on the back, knowing that as we do so to your glory, that we are in for the best ride of our life as we are equipped, empowered, and we are sent out in the power of your spirit to do the work of ministry. Thank you, God, for this great calling and this great ride. In Jesus' name, amen.